We're the Untitled Beatles Podcast, and let's slate, and I'm going to kick it off. And we're going to do, like my old radio days, we'll do it in three, and two, and one. Untitled Beatles Podcast. Yeah, man. Welcome to the Untitled Beatles Podcast. So I'm Tony, but... well, I, that's Tony Butt, and I'm TJ Front, and together we're Button Front Mornings yeah. on WFUK. Appleton's home for straight <laughs> fuck rock. <laughs> Emphasis on straight. We like women, baby. We used to be in Milwaukee when we were called Front Butt, but we got a lot of complaints, so they kicked us down to a smaller market, and now we're Butt and Front. Butt and Front, Appleton's greatest export since Willem Dafoe. I can still speak Wisconsin. <laughs> front <laughs> butt. <laughs> front butt. Butt back. I'm Tony, I'm now just saying words, but I wanted to say that my count in the three and two and one I learned from longtime sports radio veteran Bruce Murray, with whom I co-hosted a show called Murray in the Morning oh. on Sporting News Radio weekdays from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central out of the old Sporting News studio in Northbrook, Illinois. Bruce Murray has gone on to do the uh, NFL Network. I believe he does NFL Radio and Sirius XM right now. He had a show with Aikman for a while he convinced Troy Aikman to call me an idiot on the air which was a very funny moment <laughs> but I learned that counting from Bruce Murray he would go three and two and one and the and just made it feel more official so I just dropped some sports radio knowledge on all y'all from 02 to 05 on Sporting News Radio Murray in the Morning let's see how many Big Macs TJ can eat that's a real segment I'll find <laughs> Stop looking around and just listen to me. It's the Dice Man, Andrew Dice Clay, back again to tell you about my very good friends over at BetUS.com. Get with the guys that keep the Dice Man rolling. Oh! They made me against Kenneth the Sound Man see who could eat more Big Macs at 6.30 in the morning. They paid the Northbrook McDonald's to make Big Macs early in the morning for the radio bit. Oh, right, right. This is before, uh, you know, you could get a Big Mac before 11 a.m. or whatever it is. Yeah. 10 a.m. It's yeah. like 03 or thereabouts. Yeah. Wow, we and I mean, sadly, uh, Kenneth the Sound Man died that on the air from eating choked to death on the, what his fourth Big Mac. I heard. Yeah, because he couldn't make anyone laugh. He died on the air. You're not funny <laughs> enough, Sound Guy. Let me not get the laughs. <laughs> oh. I used to do a thing called the Sports Lounge, Tony, where I would oh. I'd Im- I bring my keyboard and improvise songs about big sports stories, and nobody liked it. Music people didn't like it. Improv people didn't like it and the sports people hated it <laughs> yeah i think that was the first time someone said the get rid of the piano yeah, yeah so annoying <laughs> i was a listener from st louis in, o- in 03 on their affiliate <laughs> but yeah tony i'm so excited to do this particular show with you today this is we're going to review a movie that as we talked about before the show we think maybe very few of our listeners under the age of 50 have seen yeah Full disclosure, I hadn't seen this one, man. I really never saw this one. It's on YouTube. It's called Birth of the Beatles. And it came out in... <laughs> a Clark's Dick production. <laughs> Dick, no, Dick Clark. It's a Dick oh, Clark production. A different film. Hey! <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the uh, the one that they play at Larry Flint's joint. <laughs> uh, you get a private screening, though. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. And a guy with a mop comes in. Anyway... Birth of the Beatles. Yeah, man. I uh, So I just watched this. I watched it two times. 
I watched both cuts. There was a theatrical release originally in 1979, uh, but in the U.S. you got it on TV uh, with a different cut. You can see it on YouTube. I, that's where I saw the theatrical release. And then there was a cool thing up on YouTube. It was like uh, from Rockford, Illinois. At that time, the second largest city in uh, Illinois. Yeah. And it had the commercials in there and all that, but it got taken down. You know who took it down? Who? Rick Nielsen and Bun E. Carlos. <laughs> they wouldn't have anything from Rockford that doesn't have cheap trick involved. Fuck you, Clock Tower. <laughs> Fuck you, Media Play. Rockford! Yeah, well, yeah, full disclosure, you taped this off of the television on a VHS, and you have since digitized that, and I was able to watch that copy. I watched that this afternoon. It was kind of like, a, it felt like a fun kind of sleepy day, made for TV afternoon kind of feel. Tony, that's one of the first Beatles VHS things that I have. I digitized it about 10 years ago. Now, it would have been like 2015 when we knew we were expecting and I digitized all my all my videotapes. <laughs> and thanks to the Google machine, and first of all, I was six years old at the time. So my mom and dad, we had an VCR early. My dad's store was in a big place in Chicago, one of the oldest uh, still standing buildings called the Merchandise Mart. Sure. Yeah. And at the time, NBC. C was there in Quaker Oats, and my family had the 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 jewelry store called Shanoff's Jewelers. One of my dad's best friend owned the camera store called Morley's Camera, a guy named Chris Morley. And by the early '80s, they were getting into VHS decks and videotapes, yeah, and selling. You know, and at the time, VHS tapes were seventy dollars, VCRs were like right. five hundred. They were crazy. Not the blank tapes, but like if you wanted to see whatever uh, Chinatown or whatever, right, or Star Wars, whatever. Yeah was was like yeah. $60 on VHS. Right. But because of my dad's friendship, we basically got a VCR at cost and we got a lot of blank tapes because Chris Morley sold them. Nice. So when I was six years old, we videotaped Birth of the Beatles and I have a two hour tape and an hour 40 of it is Birth of the Beatles without the commercials and the next 20 minutes are random Beatles cartoons from Channel 44 from that <laughs> summer. But thanks to the Google machine, I figured out, Tony, because the end credits tell you that tomorrow night show is going to be um, breaking away the TV series followed by Love Boat and Fantasy Island <laughs> and you. then later tonight on most ABC stations Fridays later tonight Eddie Money starts Friday rocking and nine resident zanies let the laughter roll Fridays will fracture you that's ABC late tonight so thanks to Google, some combination of my mother, father, and I videotaped this on Friday, September 4th, 1980. Wow. is that crazy? Holy shit. I just assumed it was going to be after John passed. This was during John's lifetime you taped this. That's wild. Well, that's what's crazy about the whole film. There, I mean, other than uh, the Bob Zemeckis, I want, to, I want to Hold Your Ham, which was more of a period piece by the Beatles coming to America, there hadn't been a fictionalized film uh, right, about right. the Beatles uh in John Lennon's lifetime till this. And then, of course, he by the time this re-aired on ABC in September of 80, because um, the original airing on ABC was in fall of 79. Is that correct? That makes sense to me. I don't have the date, but it was filmed in June and July of 79. So shortly thereafter, they did a quick turnaround on that edit. But yeah, it came out in 79. It's postmarked 1979. Yeah, so this, I mean, to think that this is the only real Beatles doc, John Lennon, who knows if he ever even saw it. I mean, we know he. there's a picture of him standing in front of the Sgt. Pepper stage show. Uh, he was obviously aware of Beatlemania, but a film like this, 
it's it's pretty fascinating. This is the only one that was really released in John's lifetime, given how many more have come out in the years since. Yeah, it's wild, man. Well, in the late 70s, Dick Clark made a deal with ABC for two rock and roll biopics. First one was Elvis, starring Kurt Russell. Did pretty well, directed by John Carpenter. Ed Bagley Jr. plays DJ Fontana. Tom Hanks in a shitload of makeup and a bosom buddy's dress is Tom Parker. <laughs> Pat Hingle is Colonel Parker. <laughs> oh, that's the recent one. No, that's the recent I heard one. he was terrible on that, but did you see it? You're an Elvis guy. Yeah. I heard Tom Hanks was bad, and I love Tom Hanks. It was, yeah, it was, it was weird. It was a little forced. Uh, I mean, that movie's just bonkers. If, if I may, go see Priscilla. If you're looking to see an Elvis movie, to me, Priscilla was the most accurate Elvis movie I've seen. Um, yeah, ever. Queen of the Desert, that disco show. Yeah. That's Elvis's life in Palm Springs. (laughs) Chu Wang Fu is the sequel. Yeah, man. So this Elvis thing, it won three Emmys and a Golden Globe. And number two, I think we're going in chronological. I think you got to start with Elvis because without Elvis... Uh, we wouldn't have the Beatles we currently have. We'd have a variation of the Beatles. But Elvis, you know, Elvis kicked off the rock and roll thing. He did. What a fascinating comment. Without Elvis, we wouldn't have this variation of the Beatles. Yeah, there'd be a lot that wouldn't have happened without Elvis. Yeah, I mean, who knows if Skiffle would have made it if Elvis hadn't. You know what I mean? There's 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 a lot of similarities between Skiffle and, yeah, the three-piece upright bass, DJ Fontana playing, like, you know, a crude kit. Small kit. Yeah. If you had to pick, are you more skiffle or wiffle? Would you rather play <laughs> wiffle ball or listen to living dull? <laughs> Get with the times, TJ. It's either skiffle, wiffle, or pickle. <laughs> Bert Parks, your host of skiffle, wiffle, or pump a pickle. I'll take pickle for a thousand, please. Fine. I'll just take it for free. Ding, ding, ding. I will say this. I've played wiffle ball and I've played pickle ball, but I've never played in a skiffle band. So... I guess I'm American, TJ. Yeah, you're an American man. <laughs> I'm coming to your town. I've never, I played wiffle ball. I've never played pickleball. I feel like I want to dislike people who do. You know, I haven't played it since junior high. We played it in junior high. What? I thought it was a new thing. No, it's been around. It was in gym class. It was like, yeah, it was one of the things we did in gym class. Yeah. Maybe because I went to a fancy school. We used to have a thing called donkey basketball where <laughs> teachers would ride donkeys. Right on donkeys and horses, right? And play basketball. They bring donkeys to the gym on North yeah. Avenue in Clark. And it yeah. would just smell like shit. And teachers were probably loaded. And, and No, I know about donkey basketball. Weird. We didn't, do, we didn't do that. But in the desert, they did it, I think. How about some filming locations? Filmed on location in Liverpool, Hamburg, Chelsea, Greenford, Middlesex, and the Park Hotel Hanwell in London. Is that the scene where they're pretending to be at JFK and it looks like the entrance to a lobby? <laughs> like, I, know, I know airports were different in 64. So like, oh, they walked into an office building on the lower east side. Okay. I, I will tell you as a young kid, and this is certainly about two years before Complete Beatles, this is the image of Liverpool that is seared in my head, Tony. Oh, and wow. Hamburg and the Reeperbahn 
this is what it's always looked like to me, at least till Complete Beatles, because this just marinated in my brain so young. And it is authentic. It's on a soundstage. It's the, uh, there'd be no free as a bird video without the opening scene where they're showing the alleys and it's the helicopter <laughs> shots. Basically free as a bird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Beatles invented the aerial shot. Right. <laughs> this is after Magical Mystery Tour, but they still invented it, which is footage they stole from uh, Stanley Kubrick, I believe. Right. I think so. It's you're allowed to steal. Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> cut to Stanley Kubrick telling us how influenced he was by Magical Mystery Tour. <laughs> sure. A lot of great filmmakers said this. One of the favorite films ever influenced Star Wars. <laughs> my bad, Paul McCartney. I know my Paul's bad. But you're so right. I love Paul. You know, I was driving around in L.A. and somebody goes, hey, man, I got the cassette of Wings Wildlife in the car. It's my road trip album. And this was in the 80s. <laughs> Paul. <laughs> I will say this, man, from what I've read. Liverpool has vastly changed. Like whatever the Beatles Liverpool was is for the most part, long gone. All those like historic buildings that they hung out in, obviously the cavern's still around, but it's different. It's a new cavern. They, they moved it. They, the original one shut down, I think the early eighties and the one that exists now is not the one the Beatles played at. Right. Right. It's, it's from what I've read, Liverpool is unrecognizable uh, from the Beatles version starting maybe in the, yeah. 70s and 80s so this is kind of the last hurrah of that old liverpool you know so that's a that's yeah that's a wonderful thing about this uh this funny uh lower budget movie i do have the date it, it aired um november 23rd 1979 on abc tv uh, other than that yeah it was released worldwide in theaters it was rerun also in january of 81 after john's death and it later became like a, one of those CBS late movies that Letterman used to make fun of. Yes. And then even after that, Tony, it was on the Channel 9s of the world. Then it became syndicated to the independent stations. Is that right? There were okay. a lot of the late 80s and 90s. But yeah, I mean, I read what you just read about the re-airing after Lennon's assassination. But I hadn't read about the airing to kick off the fall season or maybe end the summer season of 1980, hmm. which is when we have this from, from Friday the 4th of September in 1980. Right. So that's another airing that has been missed in terms of documenting when this aired. It's clearly the ABC. Originally, you can hear the announcer's voice and, of course, the previews for the ABC program. It was taped off Channel 7 in Chicago. ABC Friday Night Movie. Let's rock and roll! Dick Clark, who brought you the movie Elvis, brings another legend to life. History's most fabulous foursome. Yeah, and it is a different, it's a different narrator at the top. Yeah, there's a few versions. Actually, on YouTube, you can find a Spanish version, too, where you can hear the uh, the narration in Spanish at the top. Pit Best, y de otras fuentes. La música fue grabada para esta película por el grupo Rain. And I say, if you're going to watch YouTube in America, speak English with a capital A. <laughs> yeah, it's Tutube. <laughs> Tutube. Hey, how, how come Tony can't say you stead tube? Who's <laughs> stead tube? <laughs> yes, you're right. Show respect to the YouTube. Who's stead tube? That's great. I love it. <laughs> All right, here's the poster quote. The drama, the humor, the excitement of being there when it all first happened. I mean, I'll give him the drama. The humor's a little half-baked. <laughs> yeah, Paul comes directly out of the Beatle cartoons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> they're doing their best. I, I'm going to say, yeah, my overall note is biopics are tough, man. Biopics are tough. It's they end up being a lot of wigs and then the accents and then people are like just, you know, fixated on like, well, his nose is different. It's like, well, yeah, he's not. Right? <laughs> he's not the guy. We couldn't get Tom Teeley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I will say this. Rain did the soundtrack. El Grupo Rain. And uh, future member Ralph Castelli did never mind never mind i thought i thought ralph castelli was playing on this it's not all right it's a different ringo different ringo <laughs> and rain but castelli went out is currently a member of rain yeah that'll get cut all right <laughs> or will it yeah so tony despite getting certain things wrong both how they look and historically another thing that's been ingrained in my head since i was a kid is John Lennon saying everything like this? Because <laughs> one minute to strike gangster, Brian, it's okay that you're gay. We love you. You've got to tell Pete that he's sacked because you're the manager. Now stop fucking looking at me. <laughs> like, John goes like it's the... John is a strike... This is like proto Goodfellas. John is a gangster in this a lot of the time. I've been thinking. Well, there you go. I bet you didn't know I could think, did you, John? No. What about then? About it. Uh, Changes like what, Paul? Like maybe a change in leadership. And are you nominating yourself? See, I reckon the fellow what writes most of the songs should be the one who says what's what and when. I reckon you should get stuffed. Yeah, they're really, yeah, they're really trying to push the drama on this. You know, there's a lot of like silly stuff that you know never happened, but they're doing it because this is supposed to be like. It's not a documentary, so they have to add all this drama stuff. You know, like Brian Epstein screaming at. <laughs> The DECA guy right. <laughs> where George Martin works, you know, right. like there's a lot, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. <laughs> right. I think one of my favorite moments is during love me do they're like rehearsing love me do. And then there's a screaming match angrily with that, with that tight wide shot of John Paul and George. <laughs> yes. Look, John, I'm trying my best. The truth is Epi, you're failing with all your great contacts and your expertise. You're failing. John, I'm a patient man, Brian, but I'm losing my patience with you. Right. John plays the angriest harmonica and Paul's eyes bouncing to the music are <laughs> frightening. Like he's his head's about to turn. Oh yeah. There's some fun moments. We'll get to those. Um, all right. The reviews are in TJ. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes. The tomato meter, TJ, gives it 58%. 58. Is that good? I don't know what that means. I think it's uh, fair. I think it's fair to good, you know. Okay. The icon is a popcorn half spilled on the floor. So whatever image that can... <laughs> You're too busy making out during this because uh, it's boring. No, it's not boring. <laughs> Stop it. I, I guarantee you, if Lauren Bobert were in a theater watching this vaping and giving a handy, she would give this four, four, four vapey handies. Four vapey handies. Three. Yeah, man. Well, here's the I here. IMDb user reviews. How about that? Yeah. User or loser. Go on. Captures the spirit of the Hamburg days nicely. Good reproduction of the times. Looks kind of cheap. Well done. Accurate. Wildly inaccurate. (laughs) 
tolerable biopic. <laughs> Those are some of the reviews on IMDb of Birth of the Beatles. You know, TJ, I don't know if you knew this. Um, originally, this was a 1915 silent film directed by D.W. Griffith. That has it has not aged well. Originally, actually, it was called the Quarry Klansman. Uh. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. For Quarry Klansman. I'm sorry. I'm on the wrong page. That's my Birth of the Nation oh! notes for my Ted Nugent <laughs> podcast see? I'm doing about Birth of the... We're doing a whole show on Birth of the Nation. <laughs> birth of a Nation. It's a great podcast. There's a Beatles tie-in because we all love the uh, German version of I Want to Hold Your Hand. Come give me Dein Mein Kampf. <laughs> They do make reference to that whether they when they arrive in Hamburg. Yes, they do. Is, is it John going like, oh, here we are, Germany, see Kyle and all that? <laughs> That's one of the lines. I know it. <laughs> they're, they're a very Mel Brooks influence. It's a Mel Brooksian film. This is basically the Spaceballs of, this is Mel Brooks' Ruddles. <laughs> well, I tell you what, there is a Spaceballs slash Star Wars connection. It's directed by Richard Marquand. Yes. Who did Return of the Jedi. That's right. Yeah, man. It's just a few years later, so they must not have, Lucas must not have seen this. <laughs> <laughs> right, perhaps not. Uh, written by John Curland and Jacob Eskandar. Eskandar, I'm not sure how you say that. It is his only credit on IMDb. I couldn't find anything else on Jacob. John Curland worked on a TV show called What Really Happened to the Class of 65, which I watched one scene from, and it's a wild, it's a wild, weird show from the seventies. I was not familiar with it. Is it a sitcom? I don't, I, I know nothing about this. I feel like it's like a seventies version of The Wonder Years, but in high school instead of like junior high or something. Playing John Lennon, we got Stephen McKenna. Where the Beatles? I kind of IMD beat all these folks just to see, like, oh, where do I? Because I don't know any of these folks. There, there. A lot of them are working British actors. You know, they've got like numerous credits on British television shows, which I'm not familiar with. Uh, Rod Culbertson played Paul. Hey, he has no headshot on IMDb information. <laughs> Who can he call in Chicago to get them? <laughs> Brian McConkie. Brian McConkie, of yeah. course. <laughs> Uh, John Altman played George. Can't get no worse. And I'm watching this and I'm like, wait, is that Mr. Bates from uh, Downton Abbey? Don't tell him that. He'll never get over the shock. Totally. <laughs> right? It's, it's, yeah, it's got that, yeah. But it's not, no. But he was an American werewolf in London. <laughs> I'm talking the Kid Rock version of this. Oh, Kick of some lip ass. <laughs> Yes. We were smoking funny things and we were stealing other people's music <laughs> and passing it off by ourselves like we were shithead. <laughs> they love owning those lips. They love owning people. I feel like they want to own people again. <laughs> uh, he was also in a show called East Enders, which is it's been a British TV show since 1985. He's very popular in that show. Yeah, that's a huge show. I don't know that that ever got imported to like a PBS or maybe it did, but uh, I've never seen it. Nor have I, nor have I. So uh, maybe uh, any of our UK listeners can enlighten us. Is EastEnders worth watching? Should I start from episode one, the pilot? Binge That's it? That's many years. It's like, I'm going to watch every <laughs> Simpsons from start to finish. Right, like, right. buddy. 
Dude, Body. I have the Mary Hartman DVD set, and it's six DVDs, and that show was on every day for a few years, and I'm, yeah. I, it's, I'm still not through it. What was he arrested for? Indecent exposure. Indecent exposure? That's right. I'm afraid, Mrs. Hartman, your grandfather is the Fernwood Flasher. Listen, uh, um... I can't talk now. I'm on the phone. One of my favorite shows of all time. Do, yes. And do they count Firmwood tonight? Is That's a separate show. That's a that's separate not show. part of Mary. Right. That's how I got into Mary Hartman was through Firmwood tonight. Yeah. Martin Mole. Yeah. Yeah. Good shit. Tonight from Fernwood, Fernwood tonight, coming to you live with your host for tonight, Mr. Barth Gimbel. Tonight, Barth's guest will be the spectacular Las Vegas type debut of the Debbie Dunbar show. The spectacular story of the man who died, told by the man himself. Ray Ashcroft played Ringo. That's my stage name, Ringo Starr. Call me Richie. Stu, played by David Wilkinson. Hey, I can't even play a bleeding gramophone. And of course, Pete Best, played by Michael Ryan. And as as you know, TJ, Ray Ashcroft never, Michael Ryan forever. That's what they were saying. <laughs> I had a group, you know. No, Peter, you hadn't got a group. You had a ball and chain around your neck going nowhere. Uh, who else? We have Cynthia's in it. Uh, Wendy Morgan plays her. Are we going to meet the president when we get to America? Allison Spiro plays Astrid. I want to cut off your hair. Brian Jameson plays Brian Epstein. I think you're John Lennon playing the Pied Piper and leading people into the Mersey River. And Nigel Havers plays George Martin. Well, um, we'll do two singles to start with Love Me Do, and for the follow-up, you can try How Do You Do It. I've got some trivia on, on Nigel if you want it. Sure. Uh, during the filming of Chariots of Fire, he dislocated his left shoulder and broke his left wrist and kept it quiet during filming because he didn't want to lose the role. That's so. the way old school acting used to be. You think Charlton Heston calls in sick with COVID? <laughs> exactly. He shows up and he gets the whole crew sick. The boom guy died. <laughs> Thanks, Charlton. No matter. But we finished the project and it was great. ABC TV says you'll be riveted, enthralled, and you'll cheer like crazy. And last but not least, Gary Olson portrays Rory Storm. Meet me, uh, Drummer. Doesn't stutter when he's singing, it's just when he's talking. Who turns out, in the film, had a uh, speech impediment. He stuttered, like our, our president, Joe Biden. So when we meet Rory Storm, it's in Penny Lane, mm -hmm. and Ringo's there. And Rory starts stuttering. This is Richard Starkey. And Ringo just cuts him off like he's just like, shut up. <laughs> and he's like totally over this guy, like you and your speech impediment. Get out of here. <laughs> in fairness, this movie inspired the Bachman Turner Overdrive hit, You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. Right. <laughs> In my generation as right well. Right in the right? who, yes. Who's the country artist who stuttered when he spoke, but not when he sang? From the 70s. Mel Tillis? Oh, really? That's, the Dun that's Dunbar's uncle. What? Yeah. Did you know that? Dunbar's uncle was Mel Tillis. Dunbar Dix, friend of the program? I don't yeah. know if he is, but I, we, we did a ship together, so. He's a friend of mine, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, oh, Mel Tillis, Mel Tillis, Mel Tillis. 
Now I said, Padated, padated, padated. And she asked me, she said, How come you stutter and you can sing and you, and you stutter? I said, Honey, I don't, I don't, I don't, have, the, I, I, I don't have the time to explain all that to you. TJ, who did the soundtrack? Come on. Well, you're not going to believe this, but I spent way too much time reviewing this. Carl Davis, who later collaborated with Paul McCartney on Liverpool Oratorio, is credited for the soundtrack. But in the American cut, there are entire scenes with... Because the American one's the one that I've known till my homework for this show. The, The UK cut was a mind fuck between the magical mystery tour actress naked being painted for 10 minutes. Right. That scene did it. In. And like, that's like scene number two, I think. Yeah. Yes. And it goes on forever. And certainly the Astrid and Stu stuff that we'll get to, but Tony mm. things like Kansas city is not in the American version. Oh, right. Uh, there, there's just enough. And like the, the opening scene in the American version isn't used. No. They use my Bonnie in the worldwide one. And right. she loves you in the opening. And then the, the credits on ABC are an instrumental show tune version of my Bonnie that are so <laughs> great. Seeing the differences in these cuts after so many years, knowing the one that was an ABC kind of floored me. There's some swearing in the British one that's not in the American one. Obviously, because it was meant for TV. Right. But yeah, I mean, before we get into the movie and we'll kind of point out some of our favorite moments, Tony, uh, you read some reviews, some IMDb, some Rotten Tomatoes. I think the New York Times gave this a halfway decent review back at the time. Remember. This is now 1979, early 1980 in the States when it's airing a couple of times. And people have been clamoring for Beatles reunion. John Lennon is still with us. Wings is massive, slightly less so, as Columbia will tell you from sales of Back to the Egg. (laughs) You know, and Ringo can't find a contract. John's retired. It's a weird time in Beatledom nine years after the official breakup. So this was like a cultural moment for ABC to air in primetime multiple times over two years because this influenced me so much as a kid. And in fairness, I probably, I probably saw this movie 15 times between 1980 and 1992. And then three times since 1992, it just exists in the back of my, I haven't gone back and visited much, but because of my nostalgia for it, I give this Three and a half out of five fabs for being the first to cement the telling of an early part of the Beatles story that other than the um, the shout book, there weren't Lewison didn't have a thing yet. The recording no. sessions wasn't out. There weren't hundreds of books. There was, you know, Beatles A to Z. And, you know, there's there's certainly uh, the, the, the big uh, the album sized book. The Beatles was on the record. What the fuck's the name of it? Do you want Beatles forever or no? No, the Beatles, an illustrated record. Oh, but, oh, yeah. Oh, I have that right here. The illustrated lyrics. There's two. There's illustrated lyrics, which are the cool. There's that. But then let me show you this. It was huge in the 70s. We'll be right back. <laughs> oh, I have a strip over here. TJ, getting this for our audio format here so we can see it. 
This is one of my <laughs> earliest Beatles books. Roy Carr and Tony Tyler, The Beatles, an illustrated record. This is updated for 78. Well, that's fun. And it gave you covers, including the first... Ooh, the butcher cover. Pre-rarities, the first butcher cover in here. And it's articles and pictures from the Beatles book and the British album covers. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. I've no, I don't know that one. Yeah, this is one of the reasons I want to have you over for a long party days to show you some of the weird late 70s stuff. There's some fun. We must. Yeah. 78 updated. We must have gotten this in 79 or on the bargain table at Crocs and Brentano's in 1980. It's got to be one of those. Um, but yeah, Tony, so people were clamoring for all things Beatles. ABC, it's so important we point out that this is well before even cable in households. By 1980, yeah. I mean, yes, cable existed, but it wasn't ubiquitous. So you no. had ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, and in most cities, two or three affiliates. So people were watching Birth of the Beatles as a formative thing. I give it three and a half fabs by virtue of that alone, despite its many flaws. Where are you with this movie being newer to it. Yeah. You know what? I, I had to like step back and like get out of like, you know, judging it and goofing on it and you know, Oh, those are the wrong guitars and all that shit. Right. Um, yeah, I gave it three fabs. Wow. Okay. I think it's a great effort for its constraints. I think their hearts were in the right place and I, uh, it just suffers, uh, execution. It suffers for me, but I think it's a great effort. One thing that we'll get into as we get into our favorite moments of this and unfavorite moments of this, Pete Best's heavy hand as, according to the American credits, technical advisor. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is, there are so many, the things I didn't remember from being a kid that were just so glaring now, Tony, there's so many like... We're the Beatles. We'll be loyal to the end. We always stick together. Once you're a Beatle, <laughs> right. you're a Beatle. We'll three never separate. Stuff. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, and, 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 then, and, then, and then it's all setting up Pete to be just shit canned in yeah. an untrue telling of the story. That's the most egregious misstep is in the, 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 the reasoning for the firing of Pete Best. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely tinted and shaded to be pro Pete. You know, yes. there's, there's wonderful shots of Ringo watching Pete Best, oh, like, you know, in all his single stroke glory doing these, you know, <laughs> just like banging out 16th notes or eighth notes or whatever. And like Ringo's like, wow. I'm reading the paper, but I, I have to stop reading my <laughs> newspaper so I can check out these awesome single stroke quarter notes. That just did grooving along while reading the Philadelphia Inquirer and smoking a cigarette as Pete Best does boring drum work and Ringo's rocking out to it is so funny to me. Yeah. 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 There's, there's, there's some funny, there's some funny business here, but yeah, Pete was a technical advisor on it. So there you go. There was an actual beetle involved with the making of this movie yeah there's also because it is birth the beatles there is so much stew which also helped influence uh, stew has not been erased from, from the beatles story but by 79 and the telling of just this particular phrase you won't find a more Stuart sutcliffe centric i mean backbeat it we'll, yeah, we'll get into backbeat, backbeat right, at, yeah. at, at a different time that's yeah for, i'm i'm contradicting myself backbeat of course but backbeat is a smarter telling in many respects. Backbeat also, I don't think, uses any Beatles songs. Yeah, if I recall, it was all covers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, I only saw it the one time when it came out. What, 94, I think, right? I've only seen it twice when it came out and when I bought the DVD of it. 
Wow. So you bought it, but yeah, you just watched it the one time. Yeah. I watched it one time. I yeah. don't even think I've converted it to digital. What I remember about it was that the, the, all the music was actually done by like indie rock dudes or whatever you want to call them, like rock and roll dudes, like Sonic Youth. I thought Thurston Moore was involved with it. And Mike Dave Mills Grohl. was on that. I, I mocked Mike Mills of, uh, jokingly <laughs> yes, a few did. weeks ago, and I, he's a great player. I did not mean yeah. to be a dick. Stipe, different. It was kind of this like alt rock, you know, alt rock all stars kind of a doing, you know, money and all those songs. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great soundtrack. Yeah, we should do yeah. that movie at some point. But this is a very stew, even I think more than Backbeat from what I remember, this is a very stew-centric biography. We need to watch Nowhere Boy because that got into Lennon's upbringing and I'm pretty sure Stu is part of that too. That's one I only saw once when it was in the, you remember that, the John Lennon movie in 07 or 08? Yeah, but I never saw it. Yeah, okay. I, have, I vaguely remember it, but yeah, it didn't. Honestly, man, like once Across the Universe happened, I was just like, ah, <laughs> you know, I was yeah. kind of like afraid of Beatles kind of movies, you know. Well, that's the main reason I, to this day, I won't see Get Back. I fucking hate <laughs> Lord of the Rings. And to be honest, I don't like druggy Beatles. Give me, I'll get you. Give me, thank you, girl. And then get out of my way. Cue off the ground, rocker. <laughs> get out of my way. Dude, um, should we go through it now? Uh, there's going to be spoilers. This might be an opportunity for you, the listener, to hit pause and find it on YouTube or wherever on the internet. It's about an hour and 40, 45 minutes, something like that. Maybe by the time this airs, I'm going to post my VHS copy of it. There's a Beatles cartoons at the end. Okay. You can stick around for that. You can find me on YouTube. I've got videos at TJS Beatles on YouTube. There you go. There you go. Interpol. <laughs> Interpol. Interpol. Hey, I mean, how come the hotel pool at this Red Roof Inn ain't clean? There's been Speaking of Martin Mull, spokesman for Red, Red Roof Inn. <laughs> it's Red all ties together. Hi, I'm here in room 30 at a national motel chain and talking with a Mr. Uh, it's Mr. Casey Baker. Why are you yelling at me through my motel wall? Of course, if we were at a Red Roof Inn, we wouldn't be having this little chat. Wait, wait, wait. Why are you, Martin Mull, vaguely threatening me through my motel wall? And why on earth would I believe you wouldn't do the exact same thing at a Red Roof Inn, you fucking weirdo? Well, because Red Roof Inn's walls are made with eight inches of solid masonry. The last thing I thought I was going to have to do tonight was file a restraining order against... One of my heroes, Arrested Development's Gene Parmesan. Well, now you do. Yeah, I do. Hello, it's producer Casey. In classic Untitled Beatles fashion, we had to split this episode into two parts. We'll finish dishing deep next week. But good news, like the guys mentioned, this gives everybody a chance to run out and watch the movie before we start getting into spoiler territory. And as TJ noted, he's uploaded his VHS copy to YouTube, which I'm sure you could probably just search for, but we've also included a link directly to the video in our show notes. Did you know that we put helpful links in our show notes? I bet you didn't know that. Well, now you do. Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. 